0: I'm grateful to the Lord for what he has already done since we've been gathered. Um, It's funny, Mike made the joke and I was actually sitting there trying to consider how I could condense down some of the content that I feel like the Lord put on my heart or like narrowing the bullseye Um, just because of things that I've been praying for, for us as we've gathered together this afternoon. Um, My heart has been stirred over the course of the week as I've been praying That we would have an increased revelation of Jesus, uh, the man Jesus in the age to come, um, but also the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. Um, My heart has just been stirred this way, so as we've worshiped together, um, I was extremely overwhelmed because of just the content that came out during worship and the way that it was uh, us joining in in a small Minuscule, um, extremely minute, I guess, expression of what we're all going to participate in together uh, as we enter into the age to come with him. So um, that's my goal for the gathering is for us to um, meet with him and for our hearts to have a real revelation of Jesus, his love for us. Um, what his actual purpose is for us as we enter into uh, the age to come. And that he would baptize us afresh with his spirit so that we would have the power to be his witnesses. Um, so we'll end up in Acts chapter 1. Um, I'm going to pray and then we'll get going. Jesus, uh, I'm just asking you to come and reveal yourself to us. I'm asking you that as we've gathered together to see you, to behold you together, that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would see you and your purposes more clearly today than we ever have before, and that our hearts would be gripped with the reality of the age to come and the fact that you're desiring to give us the opportunity to begin to walk in some of those realities here in the earth, that you paid the price to have a people who would look like you. Help us, Lord, not to just understand these things theologically or be able to communicate them and have the the right words to use, but I pray that in an increased way this afternoon, you would pierce our hearts with these truths. Lord, that in an increased way, we would see your beauty, In an increased way, we would have a yes in our hearts to lay down our lives, even as we just received an encouragement in a different but similar and same actual way. Lord, that there would be a yes in our hearts to every invitation that you extend in our direction because we see you clearly and you're beautiful and you're worth, whatever it is that you ask for. Help us, Lord, to see you rightly this afternoon. And may there be an infilling of your spirit, Lord, I thank you for baptizing us with your spirit this afternoon, because we need your grace. We need the power of the spirit at work in our lives to be your witnesses here in the earth, to be your witnesses in our families, to be your witnesses on our job sites, to be your witnesses in our community, to be your witnesses here in this city and in this region. We need the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, these things have already been sung and prayed out, but Revelation 4 says, After this, I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard, speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper, a rainbow, a rainbow, That had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the thrones, there were 24 thrones. And on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. This is what we were already engaging the Lord in with worship. This is what He was bringing out as we spontaneously and prophetically were stepping into a moment where we were joining in with the song of heaven, singing out what you find at the end of Revelation 4. Where it says in verse 11, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you've created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So we understand this experience, this moment that we find recorded here by John in Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 5, we understand that there's a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue who are gathered together there. In Revelation 7 verse 9, we have the same experience recorded in Revelation verse. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, <clears throat> excuse me, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, and were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so, my, my thought process as the Lord has been engaging this conversation with me throughout the course of the week is that there's uh, the ability for sometimes for us, I believe, to understand these things and have knowledge and be able to quote them. And we all understand Revelation 5, 9, Revelation 7, 9, even Revelation 21, 3, um, that the Lord is desiring to be our God and we're going to be his people And he's going to dwell in our midst. We understand these things and we can quote these things. But my prayer this afternoon is that the Lord would grip our hearts and reveal and give us a revelation instead of just an understanding or a knowledge. Just the idea that we can communicate specific verses. But instead we would recognize that there's a reality that we're all headed towards. And he's desiring to prepare and transform a people so that we can actually get there in that moment. And he will have a bride To hand over to his son Jesus. And these things are actually going to happen. They're not just going to be verses that we're actually able to quote at some point. But we're all moving in the same direction toward a moment where we're going to be standing in the age to come. In the place where we're going to for eternity be with him. And we have the opportunity to prepare ourselves for that now. In this moment. Day by day. Moment by moment. I'm not talking about some extravagant response where it's like, oh, we have to pound our fist into the ground or, oh, we have to sing a certain, you know, a decibel or, oh, we have to charge an altar. But what I'm saying is the way that we live our lives day by day, moment by moment with one another and him actually prepares us and makes us into the people who the father deserves, desires to give his son because he actually deserves it. And so we talk about things uh, like the values that God has given us to live by. Um, generosity is one of those. It was just touched on generosity, hospitality, the table of the Lord, uh, divine family, being a kingdom people who demonstrate and declare the kingdom realities and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the idea is how do we actually live these things out in such a way? That we're being prepared and formed and shaped into the people that he desires and deserves. I believe that we have to, we must have a revelation of the age to come and what Jesus really desires. And we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must understand what this actually is all going on to. And we must be empowered by the Spirit to be his witnesses here in the earth. Or it's impossible, we might as well give it up now. Um, If we're just thinking that like, oh, well, we have to give ourselves to the table of the Lord and the values of the Father house because they're on a magnet, then we're missing the reality that it's actually preparing us to be a people who step into eternity with King Jesus as his bride. It's actually transforming us and we're receiving discipleship by the lives of one another because we've given ourselves and laid down our own ambitions, desires, or goals in specific ways and places so that we can become a people who look like Jesus. And then the father hands over a beautiful bride because they've given themselves to something. What I feel the Lord has been encouraging my heart with is there's a specific way He's asking us to give ourselves to it, not just because their values that like I said are on a magnet or a bookmark or on our website, but instead because their principles that we see in Acts chapter 2, which was already mentioned this afternoon, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 46, we see these principles laid out in the way that they live their lives day by day with one another, and the thing that it produced in them, and there's an invitation to us, come and live this way. Great, how do I do that? We talk a lot about come and live this way. Cool, how do I actually do that well? Because it's Honestly, difficult to be extremely generous if it's just because, oh, well, we're supposed to do that. It's hard to be hospitable and open up our homes and invite people in a consistent way into our personal space just because, like, oh, well, that's what good, good Christians do. It's hard to share the table of the Lord with people that we might not prefer to because it's easy to invite people over that we enjoy their company, <laughs> It's more challenging when it's like, man, that wouldn't be my preference, but I feel like this is what God is saying because maybe there's something on their life that my family needs to actually experience and be transformed and receive discipleship from. Like, I might not enjoy it. It might not be what I would choose if I got to choose. But I'm giving my life to a value system because this is what God says will transform us and make us into a people who will look like him. And so I believe as we give ourselves to these things, the table of the Lord, generosity, hospitality, prayer together, divine family, prayer together, not just on Tuesday nights. Um, I actually was thinking about this the other day, and I was considering the, the values and the way they're laid out on the website, and I was actually looking at it, and I was like, man, if we go in reverse, we actually end up where we're trying to be. Um, the way, just, just chronologically, the way they're laid out on the website, like, We can't start with being like, we're kingdom people and we're a divine family, but we don't actually open our homes in hospitality or give generously or pray together. And so we have to conquer this in a specific way, in my opinion, where it's like, no, we have to open our homes and share the table of the Lord together because that requires generosity and hospitality And when we do that, a lot of times we end up praying together with one another because we have real-life conversations and interactions with people. And so these things go step by step, and all of a sudden we're praying together, and we're people who are committed to prayer this way. And now all of a sudden we realize we're becoming a divine family, a people, like Ephesians 2 says, are being knit together and are living stones who are standing and planted firmly on the chief cornerstone. And now we're actually a kingdom people who our lives declare with our mouths, and our lives demonstrate because of the way we live life together, as it was mentioned already. We're a demonstration to, yes, those around us and even the principalities and the rulers who rule over our region. Our lives now knit together this way begin to be something that the father looks like, oh, man, this looks like my son. So we talk a lot about those things, I, I like to think we talk a lot about those things, Acts 2: 42 through 46, the way that the early church gave their lives to these values and these principles. Um, but as I was praying into these things, I felt like the Lord really showed me and, and was revealing and speaking about Acts chapter one, and so I'm going to turn over there. I'm going to read a few verses. Acts one, uh, verse one. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Are you about to do it? We've all been waiting for it. We've all given our lives to this. We've all said yes. Are you actually going to do what you've been talking about doing all of this time? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then verse 9 says, After he said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven. And suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. And so obviously the idea here is there was two things touched on. One. You're going to receive power to be my witnesses. But two, he's coming back. He's coming back and he's going to rule and he's going to reign and he's really, truly going to establish his kingdom. And so I feel like this is the thing that gave them the strength and the grace to say, yes, we're going to go and give our lives this way. Because we now understand, they would have understood, obviously, the correlation with Jesus Rising into the clouds, and then the prophecies in Daniel seven of the Son of Man returning in the clouds. So it's a correlation there that they would have caught, they would have understand we all, we all underst- well excuse me, they would have understood, we all understand that. But he points out these two things: you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when he leaves, they're all standing there, he's going and they're gazing. And all of a sudden there's two dudes standing there saying, "Hey, the same way he went. He's going to come back. And then the next thing we see is Acts 2. The Holy Ghost comes. They're filled with the Spirit. And now they're giving themselves to a specific way of life. With the understanding, yes, he's coming back. Yes, he's going to return. Yes, there's something more than just this moment that we're living in. And so now we have the strength to say yes to his invitation to live our lives this way. What, what I believe has happened here is that they've actually caught a glimpse of reality. Like, like it says in Ecclesiastes 3, the Lord put eternity in their hearts in that moment. The Lord marked their hearts with eternity. And I'm believing that as we've gathered this afternoon, the Lord's going to mark our hearts with eternity. And I'm not talking about so that it can impact all of these crazy things. I'm actually talking about so it can impact our lives in a real way and it can touch every practical place that we live our lives out. Every practical place. Things change when you start thinking about eternity every moment, every day. I'm not saying this because I've mastered it. But what I am saying is there's days I'm really more attentive to the reality that everything I'm doing is unto something. And then there's other days where I'm not. So let's just use an example with my wife and my children. Because this is, it would be easy for us to talk about, oh, like, Jesus is coming the king is going to return. We've got to give our lives to this. It's all about eternity. That's cool. How does that affect the way that I'm treating my spouse? How does that affect the way that I'm doing business? How does that affect the way that I'm interacting with my children? How is this hitting and impacting my life in real practical ways? Because I understand, oh man, one day, Sheree, one day, all of my children are going to stand before the king of glory. And it's my responsibility to help prepare them for that moment. All of a sudden it changes my interactions and my willingness to fight and argue about certain things. And my, my lack of patience with my children when I feel like they're being boneheads. All of a sudden all of that changes because I'm like one day they're going to stand before Jesus. And it's my responsibility to help prepare them for that moment. And how I choose to respond in this moment changes all of that. And so I need to have a real gripping of the reality that, man, this thing's real, and one day we're going to stand before him. One day he's coming back. One day he's calling us all up. Come up higher, and now stand before the king of glory. And so how am I living my life moment by moment, day by day, in my home, with my family, in business interactions, in the community? How am I actually doing this? So I believe that being filled with the Spirit, as it's been joked about many, many, many times, like we don't need the Holy Spirit to spend time with Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to spend time with one another. Like we don't. We don't need the Spirit for the secret place. We need it for the public place. And so my prayer is, Lord, as I've been, as I've been considering the things the Lord's desiring to speak about today, my prayer has been, Lord, You must grip us as a people with this reality of the age to come. You see it in the life of Jesus. He's gripped with the reality that one day it's all going to be wrapped up. And one day he's really going to get this people that he's been promised. You see it in the way he lives his life. He is the one that we should be looking to. Everything he did, everything he did was because, oh, I've seen my father do this. I'm consistently looking to the Father to see how I should live out my life in the moment. It wasn't like, oh, well, how did I do today? Like five-minute, ten-minute prayer at the end of the day. He's constantly looking to the Father. How do I set up my life? How do I order my life? What should I do? What should I not do? What should I say? What should I not say? Maybe it's just me. But I'm not there. (laughs) Maybe it's just me. But I feel like, man, Lord, I have to. I have to have a revelation of the fact that you're, the whole purpose of this game is for the end game. We're playing for the end game. It's like one day you deserve this Transform people. And it's not just about us sharing meals together and Forcing ourselves to get together to pray and, oh, man, I have to be generous in this way. Or, man, I haven't had anybody into my house. It's no, like, Lord, you're actually coming back for a people that you want to look like you. How do we give our lives to that? I've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I have to be gripped with the reality of that fact that there is an age coming where it's all going to be about him getting what he deserves. It should be now. We should be that people. We should be that people that are a... A small picture or a glimpse of like, oh man, they're, they're, they're different. They respond differently. They react differently. I think the word that was used when Samuel was here is they're a subculture. Yeah, there are people who are in the world, but they're not actually of it. And it's actually evident that their lives look different. And so Jesus is gripped with the fact that all of this is for another time period. He lives his life on earth as a man, yes. But as God, as the son of man, as human, which is rarely contested in the scriptures, but as the son of man, which is heavily contested in the scriptures. We see this constantly as he's referring to himself and as others refer to him as the son of man. It's like, oh man, this is causing all kinds of problems with the religious folk. Why? Because they understood what he was saying also. They understood he was saying, I am the one that this is all about. And I'm asking you to lay down your lives and give them so that you can be a part of this people in this company of people who are going to be given over to the Father one day so that they can hand them over to the Son. There's a hotly contested topic <laughs> in the scriptures. So you see it in the life of Jesus in a real practical way. Everything I see the Father do, that's what I'm going to do. John chapter 5. Then he brings others along with him on the journey. So it's not just a solo or individualistic journey. It's no, I understand now that there's something that we're building for. Come and follow me. Come and give your life with me. The invitation is, as it's already been mentioned, to come and give it all. The invitation is to come and lay it all down. So he says, come and follow me. Why? Because as they live with him for a period of time, they might actually be prepared to lay everything down at the end of their own lives. But something's happening in them. They're being transformed and made into his image as they're giving themselves over to him. And the way he's saying, hey, come follow me. I mean, we have to be able to realize and recognize that these guys were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were simple men. Who we see in Acts 4 says they were uneducated and they were unlearned. But, man, we can't deny something. They've actually been with Jesus. Because their lives had been transformed. Because there was a man whose heart was gripped with the age to come. Though he was standing in the present day and he said, come follow me. Come live your life this way. And I believe that what's going to happen is you too will be ones who live your life here in the earth for another time period, for another era. Then you find Jesus in Luke chapter 22. Obviously he's in the garden. And this is the moment. Are you willing to lay it all down? This is the plan. This is what we're going to do. And he's standing in the garden and he's like, Lord, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, if we can accomplish this in any other avenue, please take this cup from me. But if not, not my will be done, but yours. This is a man who's been conquered by the reality that his father's will. And desires and the purposes that he has for him are good, even if they don't look good. It's a man who's saying, I'm willing to lay it all down if this is what you're asking for. I don't want to, but I'm willing to. And I find myself in this place often where it's like, Lord, I I understand what you're saying, but it's really painful and I don't want to. That isn't how I would choose to do it. And I'm asking the Lord for grace and I'm asking him for An increased revelation of the age to come. And I'm asking him to fill me fresh with his spirit regularly because I need to be able to say yes in a moment like that where there's blood leaking out of my face because of the pressure of the moment. But I'm so committed to his voice and his purposes that I'm saying yes, yes, yes. It's not my will, but it's yours. The only way that we can actually accomplish these things is if the Lord gives us his spirit in a wild way and he actually reveals in our hearts in a sincere, genuine way this throne room moment, this throne room experience that we've been worshiping about all day long. All afternoon it was holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy. And it just kept going back and forth. It was like, oh, man. Oh, man. You're actually desiring to do something. You really want to do something. You really want to grip our hearts with what it looks like to be a people who are gripped with the reality of a different time period than we actually find ourselves in the moment. And so then we live our lives according to the fact that one day you're coming. And you're coming back for a people who look like you. One day you're coming and you're coming back for a people that look like you. In Revelation 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, look, he is coming with the clouds. Again, when when he says that he was going and they were gazing, the reference point for them would have been Daniel 7. But I felt an encouragement for us to look at Revelation 1, 7 and 8. It says, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. The one who is, who was, and who is to come. The Almighty. So in an individual way, we can look and say, man, Lord, grip me. With the reality of the age to come, fill me. With the Holy Spirit, but I believe it impacts us on every place. Because then if it's us as individuals, then it becomes me as our, our unit as a family. Now it's Sheree and myself and all of our children. And we're now developing and discipling a people who say, no, like, I'm not living this life for my own sake. I'm actually willing to lay it down for the gospel. I'm actually willing to lay it down so that Jesus can get what he deserves one day. And now we start raising up children. Who are living their lives saying, I'm actually willing to give my life. I had this conversation with Josiah the other day. He's not in here. He would be devastated if he was sitting here. But I had this conversation with him the other day. And he's asking me these questions. And he's like, Dad, like, w- w- what, is, like what do you mean? Like people are dying for Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, no, exactly what I mean. They're dying for Jesus. And he's like, what is that? What do you actually mean? And I was like, well, I actually mean there's people in the world who are so gripped with this reality that they're not living for today, that when the choice is either give up their lives or deny him, they give up their lives. And I ask him, is that something you think you could do? And in his innocence, he said, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And I think so many of us are caught up in the idea like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give it all for Jesus. I'm willing to give my life for him. But we haven't been gripped with the realities of the age to come in a way that has impacted the way we're living our lives today. I say we because I I mean we. I'm not preaching at anyone. I'm saying we. I believe as a people, we're being invited into a place where we're so gripped with the reality of the age to come and we're filled with the spirit so that we could be as witnesses, that it actually impacts the way we live our lives today. It impacts the way that I parent my children. It impacts the way that I love my wife. It impacts these things in such a powerful way that it's a witness to those who were planted in this community. Yeah, I'll give you my life, but I can't, like, not disrespect my wife. This is challenging because it's real. Like the conversation of hospitality and generosity and the values that we're talking about this afternoon. We cannot do it on our own strength. And there's nothing that's actually going to bring transformation if we're trying to do it because that's what we're supposed to do. Nothing is going to transform in our own hearts and lives if we're doing it because this is what we're supposed to do. And this is the model that the Father's house has given themselves. No. This is a value system that we believe is from heaven. And as we submit our lives to him, we live this way. We live this way because our lives are submitted to him. And we understand that he's actually transforming us. I believe, I'm crazy enough to believe this, that if we sit together at tables with one another, that it's going to transform us because we're living out a value system that heaven endorses. And there, as I sit with brothers... My life is going to be discipled and sharpened, and I'm going to serve my wife the way that Christ served the church. I'll be willing to lay my life down for her, that I'm going to freely give of things that I've worked hard for and that are mine, that I'm going to actually understand, and I said this the other day, and I know it's not like, politically correct, and I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but, like, and and it, and I'm not trying to come against anything or anyone, but, like, the me-time conversation, and that's hard. That's real. Like, I enjoy being alone also. Like, it's okay. I'm not, like, trying to be, like, mean. Like, I enjoy being alone. But this isn't what we're called to. <laughs> like, this isn't, like, like, the me-time movement. It's garbage. <laughs> like, We're called to live our lives with one another. (laughs) And so when when I start considering these things, I'm like, Lord, you're actually asking us to live our lives separate from the culture of this world. But we're in so many ways given over to the cultures of this society in our lives. Like it's such a temptation just to, just to like, oh, I had dinner with the Moombas this week. I made it to the prayer meeting. I was at the gathering Sunday morning, like ding, check mark. I did it. But he's calling us to live our lives in a way that in every moment of every day, we're realizing that the decisions I'm making now are affecting eternity. I can't say I'm there. I need The Lord to grip my heart with a fresh revelation of his face and with the fact that he's doing something that is not going to be about me or next generation or even the next one if he should tarry that long. But it's something that he's doing that's going to last for eternity. And all of a sudden that impacts and changes the way that I give my attention and my affections. All of a sudden I'm intentionally giving my life in specific ways because this is going to impact eternity. It's really hard to argue with your spouse. Try this. Next time it happens, unless I'm the only one again, like where all of a sudden the argument rises up and it's getting hot all of a sudden. It's like, oh, man, this is about to go there. Okay. Next time that happens, I'm laughing because it's true. That's Mike's joke. It's true. Next time it goes there, think about, like, I'm preparing him or her, her or him, for eternity. The way I respond right now impacts eternity. It's going to be real hard to act a fool. I promise. It's going to be really hard to argue over something silly. I promise. And then like day by day, all of a sudden our lives begin to look different. Because man, I'm living for another day. I'm not living to win an argument. I'm not living to be right. I'm not... Living to, be like, I'm living for him. I'm living because my family is going to look like him. And now all of a sudden we as a family will become a people who are prepared to be companions of Jesus. This is what it says about the men in Acts chapter 4. Some translations say that, man. They're uneducated and they're unlearned. But we can tell they're companions of Jesus. And so this reality has to grip my heart. I'm praying and I'm asking the Holy Ghost, please let my heart be gripped with the reality of the age to come. And fill me with your spirit. And I'm praying this over our family and our community. Over this church and this city. Lord, let a people rise who would actually have a cry in their hearts, like let Revelation 4, 5, 7, 21, like let them not be scriptures that we can talk about from a a headspace knowledge, but instead let this be the thing that fuels every decision that I make, is that one day I'm preparing myself, my family, those around me, this community, to stand there in that moment and say, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who has come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Like that these things would pierce our hearts in such real ways that it affects every decision that we make. We must become a people gripped with the reality of the age to come. Because we're to live our lives out as a demonstration of what's possible. We're supposed to be living our lives out as, as a lives out as a demonstration of what's actually possible. I'm over all of the other stuff. <laughs> and I'm not talking about other churches. I'm talking about I'm over all of the other stuff. Like it's taken me years to wrestle myself into a place. I was having this conversation recently with some brothers. I was, it's taken me years to wrestle myself into a place where I'm like, oh, Lord, what you're after is going to be what you're after for the rest of my life. So many times we look at invitations from God and we're like, no, I'm going to give myself to this and I'm going to conquer it and I'm going to tackle it because that's the way I'm wired. Like, oh, I'm going to give myself to this, and I'm going to tackle it, and we're going to fix it, and we're going to right the ship, and then we're going to be good to go. But what I'm realizing and recognizing is that there's a joy that comes when I say, oh, no, this is the conversation that you want to have forever. You want to continually reveal more of yourself to me so that I can live my life given over completely to you. You want to continually fill me with your spirit so that I can always live my life powered and I, I, by the power of the Spirit as a witness to my family and to this city and to this church. This is actually what you're wanting to do. And the conversation happened because of a singular-laned conversation that was going on, or what I thought was anyway, that the Lord has absolutely blown open and been like, if you'll see my face, if you give yourself to seeing my face, if you'll give yourself to the revelation of The realities of the age to come. And you'll let me fill you with my spirit so that you can be my witness. We'll keep doing this for the rest of your life. We'll keep doing it because every time, who do I think I am that I've seen enough? Who do I think I am that I've seen enough? There's beings that are vividly described to be covered with eyes on their wings and their bodies and even inside of them. Who forever have been circling around the throne and the only thing they can say is, holy, 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 worthy is the lamb. Holy, 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 worthy is the lamb. But I think I've stepped into some mature place where I don't need to see him again. This is the most dangerous place we can find ourselves. When we don't recognize how badly we need to see him. So that we can set up our lives according to his purposes and his plans and his desires. We can't do it on our own. I can't do it on my own. I'm praying. Lord, give us, as a people, a fresh revelation of the realities of the age to come, (laughs) just as we were worshiping. And actually, Joni, do you mind coming to play? Just as we were worshiping, my heart was overwhelmed with the fact that God stepped out of heaven and took on flesh. And lived his life as a man so that he could completely submit it to his father and lay it down so that he could climb up on a tree and willingly give his life as a sacrifice so that we could be reconciled to the father (laughs) who ascended into heaven and then this thought hit me It's it's not anything new But he's eagerly waiting the day of his return. He's eagerly waiting for the day of his return where he gets to get up off of that throne and say, come up. Come up here. Come up here. But I believe he's just as eager as he is about that day. There's an invitation today to come up and see it a little differently. Come up and look again. Come up and be fascinated. As he he was going, they were gazing. I believe there's an invitation this afternoon for us to gaze into his face again. I believe there's an invitation for us to gaze into his face again. And to let him reveal himself and all of his purposes and desires to us. I believe that he wants to fill us with his spirit. So that we can see rightly. So that we can become ones who image him. So that we can give our lives. So that we can lay them down. Man, and it's already been mentioned the rich young ruler conversation, but it's not just about money. The invitation has come up here so I can show you that if you're willing to lay it down now, This is where it's all headed. Holy, holy, holy. So I believe there's an eagerness in the heart of the Lord today. (laughs) To reveal himself. (laughs) He's eager to reveal himself. Jesus, I'm asking you to reveal yourself to us. I'm asking you to reveal yourself to us. And I believe it's something you desire to do. I believe it's something that you're desiring to do. Lord, I ask you this afternoon to reveal yourself to us afresh and new. Let us see your face again. Let us lock eyes with the one who has eyes of fire and hair that's white like wool. Let us lock eyes with your loving, gracious, patient eyes. As you invite us, again, come up and look. Come up and see. God, help us. Help us not to be so consumed and caught up in what we're seeing around us. But let us gaze into your face. I hear the echoes of the voices of the angels saying, it's coming again in the clouds. He's coming again in the clouds. He's coming on the clouds again. The same way you saw him go, he's going to return. Lord, help us. Help us to be gripped with the reality that you're coming back for a people who look like you. Lord, let us not weary ourselves in trying to give ourselves to values or systems. But instead, let us give ourselves freely to you. Help us to give our lives freely to you. Lord, I pray that as we see your face this afternoon, there would be a renewed yes in our hearts to lay down our lives. Lord, have freedom to speak to us. Lord, have the freedom we're we're asking you to speak to us about ways that you're inviting us to lay down our lives and to give you a yes. Lord, I'm asking you to fill us with your spirit afresh. Fill us with your spirit afresh. When they asked, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, your response was, don't go anywhere. Stay right here because the thing I've promised you, it's coming. The things I've promised you, it's coming. You're going to receive power to be my witnesses. Lord, we want to be your witnesses. We want to be your witnesses. Even as it says in John 1, Everything you see make it a testimony The same word could be translated witnesses You are a witness So we're asking you Lord to invite us up to See your face To be overcome by your beauty To be gripped with the reality of the age to come. And to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. To be the people that you're asking us to be. God, it's no light matter. Lord, we're not asking you for signs and wonders and power and might or giftings. This afternoon we're asking you to grip our hearts and to fill us with your spirit so that we can be the people that you deserve. So that our lives can be an offering poured out. So that our lives can be an offering poured out for the king of glory, the one who's deserving of everything. We want to give you our lives, Lord. I want us to respond in whichever way we feel rightly to the Lord in this moment. And I believe he's going to meet us. And he's going to grip our hearts with the realities of the age to come. And he's going to fill us with the Spirit. And fill us with his spirit so that we can give our lives to the life that he's invited us to. Let's go back into worship for just a few moments and respond to Jesus. Because he's worthy of it. Not because we feel like it. Not because we want to. But because he's worthy of it.